Does he suggest getting sumo groupies? Yeah, he tells him to pull his underwear up his butt. And <laughs> <laughs> Take a sumo poopy. <laughs> he said sumo groupie, not sumo poopy. I thought he said sumo poopy. Sumo poopy. Oh, God. Wait, he didn't say sumo poopy? No, he, he said, said sumo, sumo groupie. groupie. Uh, okay. I was like, well, how would you take a sumo poopy with underwear on? <laughs> Just cut it. Joe, 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 why would you leave me with just these three? Welcome back, everyone, to S1E1, the show where each week we pick a different sitcom, watch just the first televised episode, and forgetting anything we might know about the future run of that show, rate it and decide if it's a show we want to greenlight or cancel. This week we're going to be talking about Mike and Molly. Mike and Molly went 127 episodes over six seasons on CBS. They were talking about episode one, which was called Pilot, originally airing September 20th, 2010. To get things started, I'm Jay Gags. With me, as always... Four out of five boys, Gordo, Nick, and Ferg. What's going on, guys? Hey, y'all. Hi. I was including myself, by the way, in the four out of five. I will airdrop this to my country. I couldn't think of another line. So, I, this wasn't a one-liner heavy episode. Ah, it kind of was towards the middle. Yeah, Mike and Molly. Gordo, this was your pick. Yeah. Anything specific that made you throw us towards this? I, well, this opens up Bob Hart Abishola. Technically, no. It's not a spinoff. They're not connected. Bob is not Mike. <laughs> they're, they're, like it's very. They have different names. No, actually, it. We always joke about doing Bob Hart Abishola, and it got me thinking that, like, well, we should actually do Mike and Molly because I. Spoiler: I actually like the show, and this is actually one of the few pilots I've actually seen. Yeah, I was gonna. I was gonna bring that up too. Like for the rest of you, have you guys watched this show? I really haven't. I had seen. Maybe a clip here and there, but I've never seen even remotely close to an episode. It's always on in my mom's kitchen. I don't know what channel she just has on for like background, but every time I'm over there, Mike and Molly is on. My mom too. And I, do, I always catch myself watching it. So I've seen it sporadically. I haven't seen all the episodes or anything like that. Yeah, I want to say it's a show that my mom watched, but I don't remember. I think she did, but I don't. I have no recollection of ever really being around when she was watching it. It was on like a block with uh, Big Bang Theory and and, um, this, like in syndication. I don't think they ever shared like a network, but I know I've seen them in syndication one after another. Yeah, and real quick, actually, I do want to bring up, for those of you listening who don't already, go to s1e1pod.com. That's where you can find all the links where to follow us, our social medias, especially uh, Twitter and Instagram. Give us a follow, s1e1pod on both of those. So uh, we talk about this all the time. You know, we like to preview our episodes ahead of time. So if you follow us on our socials, you'll know what we're going to do ahead of time if you like to watch along when you listen. So uh, give us a follow there. There's plenty of videos. Uh, but yeah, moving forward. Yeah, um, this show, I'll be honest, before we even get into it, not really what I expected as far as I thought, like, I just assumed, I guess, that they were, like, married from the start of the show. Like, one of those types of things. I didn't know this was like a... So every episode I've ever seen, they were already married. And I seen parts when they weren't but they're always in flashbacks 
So I I thought that same as you that they were always married and probably when they showed up they got together it was a flashback like later in the season. So I was actually surprised that this was the pilot. Yeah, because I mean basically I mean, they just the, the you know before we get into all the specifics this episode here they meet. So this was like well before when I you know you know even marriage is just they're just dating. I'm now curious to look it up. Like, when did Mike and Molly get married? I think it was a couple of seasons. The end of this episode continues. This is a two-parter. Oh, really? Okay. Yeah, it picks up. I didn't watch it, but I, I caught the beginning because I couldn't find the remote to shut it off. I was watching it on HBO Max. It immediately started the next episode, and they were preparing for the first date that they talk about in this other episode. So it's kind of a two-parter. It's a little bit of a stretch, but... I just did a little uh, exterior homework. It looks like Mike and Molly get married uh, at the end of season two. Oh, wow. Yeah, I had no idea. That's a good arc. Yeah, it's kind of weird because you definitely... I guess you definitely know it's going to happen. I mean, the show's called Mike and Molly, so it's not like it's a will-they-won't-they. They, you know, they get together right away. Yeah, it's kind of an interesting starting point, something we don't often see. Yeah, it's fresh. You know, it's interesting, too, uh, just going through the IMDb trivia. We don't see it because they're not married yet and they don't own a home, but their home on the show is the Roseanne set. Oh, really? Okay. Yeah. Really? Oh, cool. There's always there's so much. I mean, I, obviously, that makes sense, right? How many house sets are you going to have? You're just going right, to dress yeah. different and, for, you know. Uh, you know, put in different furniture, but you don't really think about it. We've definitely noticed it doing this show and how many times it's done. It, it's, I don't know, it's really interesting. You don't really think about it until face it this often now as we do. But yeah, to get into the um the actual episode itself, you know, the show starts, we see two officers sitting at a, like a diner restaurant thing and the waiter walks up to each and like hands them their food. Uh, the waiter originally from Senegal, when I, when I looked it up, because he had an accent, and you know, I didn't want to just assume where he was from. He's from Senegal, which you definitely pick up from his accent, and like word choice. The officers are Officer Carl McMillan, played by Reno Wilson, and Officer Mike Biggs, who's Billy Gardell. The waiter in question, I guess his name's Samuel, and his name is Nyambi Nyambi. Kind of a like a Mario Mario situation? I guess. But do you think that they, now, onto Mike Biggs, like there's a lot of, yeah, you think that was a play? I feel like it had to be, yeah. I thought... Because also they could do that big smiles joke. Yeah, but when I... But they also do big jokes, too. Like, there's a lot of fat jokes in this. Yeah, so I think the thing that sets this show apart from a lot of other sitcoms is the fact that Mike and Molly are both overweight, right? Which I always knew about the show, just knowing the two main actors. But I guess I didn't know that it was, like, a plot point to the show. I just thought that it was a couple that, like Roseanne, they happen to both be overweight. Yeah. But here it's like, at least in this episode, it's focused around the fact that they're both fat. Other episodes are too. Yeah, I didn't know that's how they met though, you know? Yeah, like the that was like their common denominator. I kind of had a problem with it. You know, I have this like black heart. They really showed how like they struggle with weight and it's like, oh, okay. But then they offset it with just nonstop fat jokes making fun of fat people. So it was very disingenuous. Yeah, yeah it's like pick a lane. Like, I understand, like, being able to make fun of yourself, but which direction are you trying to go in? Are you trying to highlight how it's an actual issue and that you can work on it? Or do you want to make fun of fat people? Because <laughs> it's tough to do both, which is what they're doing. You know, I guess from my perspective, right, I'm an overweight person myself. I've struggled with dieting. I do right now. And 
I did see a lot of like realistic parallels and there was a lot of like interesting things that I don't know, I guess I didn't see represented in television so accurately before. So there was a lot that I thought was done well with that. Yeah, there's definitely like a couple unnecessary fat jokes, but it depends. It's like when when Mike and Carl are talking, right? Because like they're they're friends, so yeah. you have that comfortability yeah. with each other. I don't know, I thought it was kind of like realistic in a way. So it didn't really like flag me as I definitely don't think they overdid it, you know what I mean? Yeah. But they did do it, you know. They have that realism and then 5 seconds later they have two fat guys stuck together on the stairs and the guy yeah. has to tell them the <laughs> You can't tell them to inhale. <laughs> I had a feeling by the writing of the show, though, like either the creator or one of the head writers is probably a fat guy. So it's maybe that's why you get like that pass because it's coming from their humor. And I'm assuming. I know it's another show by Chuck Lorre, but I don't know if he's fat or not. Uh, also, James Burroughs bookended this series. He directed the first episode and the last episode. Okay. So is he like a pilot specialist director? James Burroughs is, uh, he's known for Cheers, Will and Grace, Frasier, Taxi. So like, he's just uh, kind of like a TV juggernaut. Oh, okay. We don't really talk about directors too much. Yeah, he directed 237 episodes of Cheers, 246 episodes of Will and Grace. Uh, 70, wait, no, that can't be right. I think that's just telling you how many episodes there are of the show. I know we've spoken that there are certain directors that stations will hire for pilots. Yeah, and I'd heard that on a different podcast, as a matter of fact. And it was like, yeah, they do specifically get targeted and they kind of like do their episode and move on. I, I forget exactly how it worked, but I think there's some sort of a royalty attachment if yeah. you're somehow part of the pilot. So it's like, the it's good for you to be on that episode, if any, because then somehow you get paid for the show however minuscule as it might be but like even if that's the only episode you do from it moving forward the uh the waiter brings them their food right and carl got one beef and cheese deluxe french fries and an orange flavored beverage like i said um you could tell by the waiter that like the, just the way he you know announced things orange flavored beverage instead of orange soda you knew he wasn't from around here the officer so carl the carl and the waiter are both black right obviously uh oh and they're from chicago but the the waiter being from Senegal and the officer just being from Chicago, you know, uh, he says, thank you, my brother. Knock it down for me. Booyah. <laughs> Which I thought the booyah is a little forced. <laughs> <laughs> it didn't. I think the waiter said like, consider it knocked down. Yeah. I like that. Yeah. He's trying to dab him up. And then Mike got one plain wiener, no bun, no sauerkraut, no chili, no mustard, no pickle, no cheese, no relish. And he says, no tip. Give it to me. I thought that was a little, I got the humor of explaining everything that he didn't get on it because they were trying to focus on the fact that he's dieting. But after you say plain, it's pretty self-explanatory, right? You don't have to say no this, no this, no this. Yeah, right. Yeah. He was just kind of being a dick about it, it seems. Now, have we ever talked about what you guys like on hot dogs? I feel um, like we have. Ketchup. Get the fuck out of here. Ketchup doesn't belong on hot dogs. I do ketchup on hot dogs. I do ketchup. Y'all are weird as hell. You go mustard of your choosing. You do yellow, brown, spicy, whatever you want. Raw onions. I choose red relish. mustard called ketchup. <laughs> you say raw onions? That's not always accessible to you, though. Like, what? Have to, like, when you go to a lot of places and get like a hot dog, there's not always going to be just like a tub of raw onion available for you. Any place that serves a hot dog will have raw onion, guaranteed. Costco? You ever go to a Red Sox game? They have just bins of raw onion. Nope, I've been there. They do. Well, that shit's been sitting out all day, so I hope you're going to get the rumblies. Yeah, most of you most of you would know 
how I probably eat my hot dog. 99% of the time it's plain, but sometimes I'll put some ketchup on it, which I know in Chicago where the show is set is like the ultimate no-no. Not even just Chicago, like any, I think it's just like any like hot dog connoisseur is very against it. I don't consider myself Listen, a hot as dog as a hot dog connoisseur of this group with my hot yeah. dog toaster, I <laughs> use ketchup, all right? <laughs> yeah, but you also put ketchup on literally everything. That's also true. Chicago is one of those places though that takes, they take extreme ownership though of their hot dogs. Like that's like a, that's like a thing for them. Yeah, you know what's what I mean? their style hot dog? I know it has like long sliced pickles. It's on like usually like a poppy type bun, right? There's a lot. I was just in Chicago recently, but obviously when I got a hot dog, I got my plane. So it also has um, a certain like relish mixture. It begins with a G and I never. It's also a red hot. Like they use they use red hot hot dogs. Gordo, it's called Gellish. (laughs) No, it's called like Giardelli. Giardelli. Yeah. Something like that. It's an all beef frankfurter on a poppy seed bun. Yeah. The hot dog is topped with yellow mustard, chopped white onions, bright green sweet pickle relish. So that's my hot dog right there. A dill pickle spear, tomato slices or wedges. Miss me with that. Pickled sport peppers. Oh, yeah. Sport peppers. What's a spork pepper? And a sport. sport and, <laughs> and a dash of celery salt. I, I, I am a pickle fan, but the pickle spear on it just seems unnecessary. And the tomato slices, I've never tried it, but it also seems a little weird. I love sliced tomato. It seems odd on there because it's not something I, I have done. Would you put it on a bologna sandwich? Because it's essentially the same. I wouldn't eat a bologna sandwich. That's just not my thing. I probably haven't had a bologna sandwich in like 25 years. And I guess the... The relish they use is like a neon green. Like, I don't know if it's dyed extra or if it's the kind of pickle they use, but it doesn't look like regular relish. So I don't think I've told this before, and I know we're already extremely tangent heavy, but as far as bologna sandwiches go, the only time I've ever had a bologna sandwich was leaving a friend's house and then going to the convenience store nearby, and I'd had many adult sodas at this time, and we're probably in our young 20s. And we go to the store, and I'm eating a sandwich out front, and I realized halfway through it that I'm eating a bologna sandwich because I was very, very <laughs> drunk. That's the only time in my life I've ever had a bologna sandwich. Don't blame it on being drunk. It's because you inhale your food. <laughs> yeah, but it's because I was drunk and didn't notice what I was buying either. Like, if I was in a more sober state, I probably would have taken a little bit more time. I mean, to- how did you not notice after the first bite? It's not like your taste stops working when you're drunk. You've never been that <laughs> drunk that you don't like. No, your taste. no, oh, yeah. yeah. Well, I mean, I've, I've been. I've there. always tasted food. I don't know, man. <laughs> I, you should see some of the people I've woken up next to, and you'd know my taste has gone up as well. <laughs> waka waka. So what I was thinking of actually is it's called G I A R D I N I E R A Gardenia Giardine era. I don't know how to pronounce it, but it's it, it's not just it's a hot dog thing. It's an Italian hot dog kind of just relish mixture that's kind of like a catch-all, but it's a Chicago thing. And that's what I was thinking of. It's pronounced Gardenia. Oh, is it? Yeah. Yeah, we've probably extended our hot dog talk for one episode. <laughs> So the waiter gets on him. This is kind of one of the first fat jokes of the episode we're talking about because he says, like, you know, excuse me to inquire, but this meager meal seems insufficient for a man of your tremendous girth. (laughs) That got me. (laughs) I like the wording. The wording girth is what got me. And he said, you know, Mike tells him, well, you know, I'm just trying to drop a couple pounds. And he tells him, you know, I suggest that you move to my country where everyone is fashionably thin due to lack of food. (laughs) 
I thought that line also was a little forced because it just obviously as soon as you hear him talk, you you know he's foreign. And it just felt like they're trying to tell you episode one, like, here's the foreign character, by the way. If you're not sure he's not from this country, like we get it, we heard him. I only liked it because it's set up for the joke that comes later with the when he has all the food. <laughs> Send it back to my country. <laughs> Carl asks Mike what diet he's on, and Mike tells him that he read about it in a magazine. And you get the back and forth where he's trying to guess what magazine it is. And come to find out that it was on Modern Bride. And uh, because he's just reading a magazine as a dentist. Mike tells him how, you know, the diet has been working. You know, he's also been going to the gym a few times a week and he's been doing like a half hour a day on a stationary bike. And that's when Carl warns him to be careful because those bikes wreak havoc on your testicles. Now, I did do some homework because the things he was talking about was how it, you know, the angle can restrict the blood flow, causing a low sperm count and or impotence. Those are all true things. That's all very real stuff that can happen if you too much excessive biking, whether it be stationary or otherwise. Sure, you're bumping around a lot hotter and you're nuts on a real bike. Wasn't that why you wear the the spandex part of the reason? Um, I don't know. I don't know. I feel like they're more exposed and easier to like crunch. When Mike tells him that he had never heard of that, he's like, well, you're not going to read about that in Modern Bride. He's like, pick up uh, this month's (laughs) copy of American Balls. That was stupid, but I thought it was funny. Would you guys subscribe to American Balls? No, No. but I know you would. (laughs) Only if they were called these nuts. No, it's called American Balls. It's called American Balls. It's already named. Carl suggests that, you know, the two of them should go out after work and maybe hit a few clubs and like have drinks, find girls. And Mike tells him that he has an OA meeting, which stands for Overeaters Anonymous. And Carl tells him that doing that on a Friday night is pathetic. And Mike shoots back by reminding Carl that he lives with his grandmother. That's one that that's one of the times that I I didn't read right to me. Like when he told him that it was pathetic, I was like, I know that they're friends and they're ribbing each other, but. If you know he has like an eating problem and that he actually to a point where he goes to meetings about it, <laughs> yeah, then maybe telling him that going to a meeting just because it's Friday is pathetic is maybe a bit too far. Tis a bit insensitive. <laughs> I mean, because just replace it with any other like NAAA and stuff yeah. like that. Fucking Friday night, you're going on your AA, you loser. It's like, well, this is what I have to do. Yeah. But I want to meet girls at the club. <laughs> It makes sense it being on a Friday because that's when you'd probably go out more, consume more. True, yeah. Right. Friday yeah. night. So it's a good thing to distract. I've noticed that the night I consume the most is any night. It's just, but at nighttime, I'll, I'll say this. And like I said, as a guy, I guess I can relate to more of this than, than maybe some of you can having watched this episode. It's always, it's like always a night thing. It's always like a night. Because it's never a hunger thing. It's always a boredom thing. You know what I mean? Like, it's something to do. And then, yeah, you go home and you've been doing okay in your diet. It's like, you could just go to bed, you know, wash up, sit down. But instead, you just, you know, find yourself in the kitchen all of a sudden. Yeah. Then you just start eating anything. And you're like, why? After that, you're like, why did I do that? (laughs) That is the reality of how those things go sometimes. It's true. Preaching to the choir, man. I'm on day five of my diet. (laughs) killing me yeah i'm close I, I i'll say there's been a couple hiccups but we're, we're getting there we're doing better than we were but <laughs> it's a forever thing and my diet's not too different from um from bob's not bob shit mike <laughs> sorry i'm <laughs> Ab- gonna fuck with me but um no not that different from mike because i'm on keto i assume in this this is around the time atkins was huge i so i i assume he's just on the atkins diet yeah what year was this by the way 2010 okay. so i mean I don't remember when keto became keto. Maybe it's a little past Atkins. It definitely passed Atkins. Earlier 2000s. 
Isn't Atkins and keto kind of the same thing? Very, very They're much very so. similar. The caveman diet is also right in there. Paleo too, right? That's what it's called? Or yeah, is that yeah. what keto became? Because there was the caveman raw paleo diet. They're all kind of in the same family. They all have like the same rough logic to it. I think keto just dips into the science behind it a little bit more than the rest of them. Keto leans more into healthy fats than other stuff. Like the Atkins, the connection to all is just carbs of the enemy. And then they all have their own little like extra shit. Oh, okay. So uh, to go back, Carl's responding to the grandma comment by saying, I'm over there because she's old and frail and needs somebody to look after her. Like, like she mows the lawn. He's like, after I started up for her, though, and then I push her in the right direction. <laughs> I got a visual of that when he had said yeah. it. It made me laugh. Me too. Carl tells him that I'll shoot you right now, but I don't have enough chalk to outline your body. So another little fat joke. That one's that one's harmless, though. <laughs> yeah, that one was funny. I like that. Obviously, you could tell, though, by the way, the two are going back and forth, that they're good friends, you know, so they're obviously going to rib each other here and again. I really like their relationship. Yeah, I mean, I think, um, like, Carl's a good, like, side character. I'll say in this episode, I thought... My only issue was those points where he kind of had to like pick a lane. It just seemed like he was inconsistent with how he acted. I guess episode one, you're feeling out the character. My thing with this, not even the friendship, but like the discussion of the weight that interests me is this diner is like their friend's coffee shop, right? Like this is where they always are. And if the a big part of like the point of this show is they're trying to lose weight all the time, why are they consistently hanging out in a greasy diner? Like that's where they always are. Oh, because they're on shift. If you notice, they were in uniform. They're police officers. So? They were on the beat. They got to eat. Even dieting, they got to eat. Yeah, they, they, they still are in the neighborhood. They might as well go into the donut shop or the diner that they're friendly with. Chicago sucks weather-wise, just like Boston. You do the same. And there's probably like an element of they've probably been working together for a few years now and Mike's not always dieting. So like your, your hangout spot just kind of is what it is. And then he just has to adapt. Like, you know, you yeah, just change true. what you're eating while you're there. But yeah. From there we get to the next scene and this is when we meet Molly for the first time. And Molly played by Melissa McCarthy, who, as most of you know, her and I started a movie together. She's like working out on an elliptical in her living room and she's singing brick house by the Commodores and she's like getting really into it. Right. So she, she got her headphones on. She's kind of getting lost in her workout and she's singing Brick House and doesn't even like really notice anything else is going on at first because her mom walks in, but then she catches her in the side of her eye and her mom's eating like a gigantic piece of chocolate cake, like a huge piece. It's huge. Yeah. Not for nothing, but that cake did look good. It did. And I'm not like chocolate cake isn't even my go-to, but it, it did look phenomenal. I like vanilla with chocolate frosting. That's my go-to. Vanilla mm, cake, chocolate uh, frosting. Mm. Chocolate frosting's not my thing. I like cake in general. Sam, I'm a I'm a pie guy. Yeah, yeah, I think I'm the same. I do banana cream pie for my birthday. I don't want a cake. You would like cream pies. Hey. 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 <laughs> Walked into that one. I'll say, um, I thought Melissa McCarthy in this scene, this just this early part, right, in your first introduction to her. Did like a good, like her comedy was really funny when she's first noticing her mom there and like the way she played the distracted by the cake and just kind of started slowing down her singing and everything. I thought it was pretty funny. And she asked her mom, like, Ma, do you have to eat that in front of me? It's like, oh, I'm sorry, baby. Do you want a bite? She's like, what do you think I'm doing on this machine here? Making butter? You know, and the mom's like, why are you punishing yourself? Face it, you're a big bone girl. You're always going to be a big bone girl. And she goes, bones don't jiggle, mom. <laughs> I like that line. Yeah, funny. And, and, you know, it's one of those, you see it. And again, I live it, right? As someone who's, you know, always trying to lose weight. Your family can be your worst enemy in times like that. 
they support you in your desire to be healthy, but in practice, they never actually do the things to make it better. So if you say, you know, I'd prefer if there's not yeah. certain foods around me or don't offer me something over and over again, I would always joke historically whenever I would try to diet would be when my mom decides to start cooking again. Like my mom <laughs> won't make a meal for months and then I tell her I'm on a diet and like two days later she's like, oh, I made, you know, breaded pork chops and all this shit's like, but it's like, where did this come from? Uh, her mom, by the way, played by Swoozy Kurtz, who's in a ton of stuff. Yeah, you know what I know her most from when I looked her up was Liar Liar. Yeah, it's funny. I just yeah. watched Liar Liar yesterday, too, like just randomly. She was in Bubble Boy, Rules of Attraction, Cruel Intent. She, I mean, she's just one of those actresses that's been in like 100 things, and you've seen probably yeah. 80 of them. And, you know, right at this point, too, we meet her sister, Victoria, who's played by Katie Mixon, who she's in a good amount of stuff on her own. I, I think we would maybe initially best know her from like Eastbound and Down. Oh, I know her from here. Oh, she lives. She lives near you. Yes, she does. The um, she has a she has a sitcom of her own that I think got brought up on here before, where she's married to what's his Joey. name? No, no, she's got one where she's married to um from the Drew Carey show, Oswald. What's his name? Deidrus. Oh, Diedrich Bader. Diedrich Bader. Yeah, I don't remember that one. Yeah, for argument's sake, I'll try to look it up so I can remember the name of it. American Housewife. That's um. I don't know if that's over. Yet. I do love her though. By the way, she's very pretty. Yes. Yes. Smoke show. Yeah, I mean, it's funny because they use her, it, well, ironically enough, they use her here kind of as a, to show the extreme, like, she looks very different than her sister, where yeah. Melissa McCarthy's, you know, an overweight actress, and then they use Katie Mixon, who's more like, you know, curvy, but, you know, more like voluptuous, kind of like thin, you know, she's kind of hourglass. She's thick. Yeah, but I'll say over she time. She props you, up them titties. Yeah. Like a lot. If you look at her more modern day, she's actually, she's put on a few pounds herself now. She actually looks a little, not quite where Melissa McCarthy is here, but uh, pretty close. I remember that. Yeah, I remember that being like a big thing, and I don't know why people cared. Uh, that people always have this weird fascination with celebrities' weights. I mean, it's interesting because they kind of talk about like knowing your lane and like picking good characters because they feel like a family. The sister and her and her mother, like they have that chemistry between all of them. Like just in that one scene, you can tell. I think the chemistry is good. I guess the mom, when I first saw her, like, uh, cause you know, the mom is so thin and tiny that she stands out where you, where you look at them. You're like, I don't see it. Like I don't see them as relatives, like visually. But yeah, I think as far as the acting went, everything was pretty smooth. See, I think that visually the two sisters look like they could be sisters. Maybe it's just the brown hair. It could be. Yeah, I don't think it's a it's a reach that they could actually be sisters. Yeah. yeah. I like when Victoria comes down, she instantly just goes up to her mother who's eating that cake and you know, she's like, Oh, like, did I smell your your cake from upstairs or whatever? And you know, takes a bite of it and they're like just going on and on about how good it is. And <laughs> when the mom's talking about how she made it. She brings up that instead of using milk, she substituted it with pudding. Like, how unhealthy is this cake? <laughs> that does sound good, though. Like, can you can you do they that? How moist it is. She, she brought up how moist it was right away. I mean, I'm sure you could. Anything is possible. It's just the texture. Like, is it going to burn? Like, it does not. Like, you need the like. How thick is it going to be without any liquid like that? I don't know. I mean, it's milk and pudding. Well, if any of you have ever made a cake and substituted milk with pudding, get in touch with us and let us know how that worked out. Maybe I will make a cake and I will substitute. I would try to make a small cake because you might ruin the whole cake by doing that. No, go big and go home. Or right, make a giant cake and waste the giant make cake. Make a giant cake. You're going to need a lot of pudding. <laughs> 
yeah, I had already talked a little bit about like the family enabling this. It's unintentional on their part. Is it? I thought it was. I couldn't tell. Like I was really, I'm really asking. I don't know. Cause it seemed like they were fucking with her. Well, cause the way they're talking about like, that must be why it's so smooth and creamy. Like at first I thought they were doing it to, to fuck with her, but when she like leaves, they seem a little perplexed. <laughs> Like they don't like like what's go why that's why I figured that it was extreme but unintentional on their part because Molly says she kind of wants to you know get away from that temptation and she tells the two she's gonna head to over to her OA meeting which at this point pretty obvious where this is going right if you took away the fact that you already know the show is called Mike and Molly at this point here you know like where the intention is yeah for sure yeah this is Telegraph even in the like I said the name of the show right despite the fact that her sister tells her that she's never gonna meet a cute guy at the Chub Club. I thought that was funny. That was a funny... uh... The Chub Club. But she says, you know, she's not going to meet guys. She's just going for support. She tells them, like, you know, you guys don't support me at all. You're just trying to make me fatter. And again, the mom's saying, you're not fat. You're big boned. And the sister says, I'm just trying to get you laid. Yeah, I mean, it's it's tough. I think yeah, I think families mean well, like I said, but they don't understand sometimes when when you struggle with eating and stuff. The temptation that just having that stuff around it, it's it's like it's it's weird, right? It's it's different than other problems that you have, like if drinking or drugs are your problem. It's easier to stay away from those moments. Drinking a little less because it's around so much, but it's a it's it's a avoidable. If if you have someone who doesn't drink, you can consciously be like, well, I'm not going to drink around them. If you have someone who has an eating problem, eating's a necessity, even to the person with the problem. They it's not like you can quit. They eating. still have to eat. Yeah, yeah. So so it's like that temptation's always there. So it's such a unique. Thing. you know you don't look at it the same because you don't have like weird withdrawals but obviously like fuji has its own issues if if mishandled i guess like anything else you can you definitely get withdrawals from especially if you if you yeah it's called hunger no <laughs> it's like when you have like a high sugar diet or oh yeah high caffeine sure. or things like that like your your body is addicted to these things and you can detox from them in a way you know what i mean obviously it's not going to be comparable to like the raging alcoholic detox or the heroin addict detox, but you're going to feel it for sure. Your body just isn't getting the same things it was used to getting. So it feels like shit. That's why, that's why diets fail so early sometimes because you're eating better and you're, and you're like, I should be feeling better, but you feel like shit. And I feel like this is total speculation. I have, I have no like actual science to back this up, but I feel like it's because your body is in a way used to getting all of this shit and it's not getting it anymore. And it's like upset with you because it's not getting the same amount of sugar or whatever it is that it once was. So I guess if you plow through that is what makes it easier. It takes the brain a little bit to get used to a different pattern of eating and, you know, all that stuff. Your stomach has to shrink. That's part of it. But a lot of it is the mental hurdle. You know, I noticed like if you do like intermittent fasting and stuff, it's not hard when you do it every day. But if you're used to eating every every day when you wake up and then a few hours yeah. later and stuff, and then all of a sudden you're not eating until the afternoon, like your body's like, wait, what's going on? Why, why yeah. haven't I ate yet? That's like the um, smoking cigarettes thing. It's like it's, a, it's all about the routine because yeah. you're what is it? You're technically not addicted to nicotine after what, like two days or something three, like that. I think three days. Yeah. Like if you can make it three days, your your body is not 
fiending anymore but it's like your mind is so used to the routine of i want to smoke a butt after i eat i want to smoke a butt on my ride to work i want to smoke a butt you know what i mean like it's tough to get that out and the same thing with food i guess yeah food i imagine it's difficult with like you guys pointed out earlier because it's not like a cigarette drinking or anything like that where you can just avoid it completely like you have to eat so like how do you trick your mind and maybe it's you need to stick with it and let your body go through it for a while before it switches over to that this diet is okay for it. Yeah. I'll tell you what I do currently because I wake up so early for work and I try to not eat until the afternoon. I need like something with flavor at some point, like in the morning. So I'll, I'll just, I'll have a couple, I drink black coffee anyways. And so that's never been a big issue as far as like dietary stuff. So I'll, you know, I'll make sure I have like a big iced coffee, just black. Because it at least gives me some sort of a, some flavor. You know, you don't want to just drink water. You get the oral fixation part of it. Too, yeah, you right? need you something it. there. So, because um, I think if you're trying to just drink water exclusively until like three in the afternoon, you're probably going to doom yourself. So you need something with at least taste. Could also do tea. Yeah. Yeah. It's, I mean, same difference. I do. Point. I do green tea. So in the next scene, Molly heads over to that Overeaters Anonymous meeting, uh, which is like, we find out later is like located in a church basement. Before she heads in, Victoria says she's going to head upstairs to light up a fatty and then tells the two big guys near her, no offense. So again, <laughs> you know, oh, it caught me off guard, actually. Molly heads into like the main room because you're just kind of like in this little pre-room where they have surprisingly snacks. <laughs> yeah, but it's yeah. like veggies and stuff yeah. like that. It looked that, like it was like yeah. saltines. Oh, was it like a veggie plate? Yeah, it's just healthy, healthy snacks. But uh, she heads into the main meeting area, and that's where, you know, she sees Mike for the first time, who's currently the one speaking. And, you know, it's the whole, like, hi, my name's Mike, and I'm an overeater, and everyone says hi. And he starts talking about, like, you know, I had a pretty fair week. I lost three pounds, and then I took my shirt off, and I found it right around here. And he's, like, holding his arm up and talking about, like, the underarm fat, which gets, like, a nice little laugh from the crowd. He starts saying that he did have a little bit of a setback this week. You know, he went to the store and he bought a bag of fun size candy for Halloween. But before he knew it, you know, he was standing at the checkout with 19 of them in his mouth and he's trying to say, perfect. <laughs> Again, I think he embellishes the story for humor. So I don't think you're supposed to take the story like completely as accurate. So I don't want to dissect the validity of it. But he's doing, I think he's, you're getting like a good vibe for who he is and his ability to just kind of be charming and kind of talk to everyone. And you can see that Molly, she's resonating with it because she shouted out like hallelujah and just like not in a like not in a way that she was like legitimately like taken over like in this religious way, but uh just as uh, you know, I can relate with you. And she thought maybe other people from the crowd might jump in, but that didn't happen. And she's kind of like looking around like anybody. <laughs> He goes on and says, you know, and then, of course, the self-loathing kicks in. He says, voices in my head telling me that, you know, I'm a loser and no one's ever going to love me and how I'm going to spend the last few years of my life alone in a dark, empty apartment with, you know, only companions being six or seven cats that made the mistake of wandering in his gravitational field. But he says, you know, the bottom line is I know the voices are lying and, you know, all you're going to do is do the work and, you know, stick to his program. He says, that's why every day he starts his morning by getting on his knees and asking God to give me the strength to stay on my diet. And then I pray that he gives me enough strength to get my fat ass up off the floor. Yeah, I don't know. I think Mike's, 
you really get to know these characters pretty early on. And I think Mike just comes off as a really relatable guy. I love this. Like, I thought this was this was the right blend of funny and heartwarming. And like, I yeah. don't know, what's a word that you can connect with somebody? I'm sure it is a word. Relatable? Authentic. Yeah. Authentic and relatable. Well, yeah. You know, I said it early on and as you know, to keep chiming on it because I guess I just need to inject my fat guy perspective. Like when he talks even about like the self-loathing, like- you know, if you ever are on a diet, there are moments where you cheat on your diet. And again, this, you know, when I talked about being in the kitchen and you just find yourself eating the stuff that you, you don't even want or need. And then it's like, you don't stop yourself. You do it. And literally it is the moment you're done. You're like, what the, like, what, why did I do that? Yeah. I think we've all been there and it's crazy, Jay. It's a really good thing. You don't smoke weed. Because oh, I know. The, the worst moments in my life have been just being stoned. And it's like, you end up eating things and it's not... Nick's just eating a hot dog with ketchup. <laughs> <laughs> it's not the amount of things. It's the combination of things. It's like, wow, I just had Oreos, pickles, cottage cheese, and fucking, you know, bread. Like, or whatever. You're just eating everything you see. And it's disgusting. And like, why, why did I do this to myself? That's a fat guy thing too, though. But if you don't think there were days that I was just sitting there, I'm like, ooh, a loaf of Italian bread. And I'm just sitting in the kitchen, just housing pieces of bread one at a time. And I'm like, why am I just eating bread <laughs> to get into it too? Like, I know I have a very like addictive personality and eating is part of that. And that's why smoking and stuff, why I never dabble. Cause I know like I'm going to, I can't do anything a little bit as you guys know. So I try to not add to my list of vices. Yeah. After the speech, we go back to like that back room again, the, the like that pre-room. And those two big guys, I, I think it's the same two big guys that Victoria said no offense to. They're walking like side by side up the stairs. And Ferg, you mentioned it earlier. And they're 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 using all the room, right? There's no way anyone could get in and out. And they hardly have enough room to move up the stairs because they're so wide. And apparently don't know how single file works in these moments. Carl is coming down to see Mike and he's trapped. He can't get through them. And he's like, damn it, one of y'all gotta inhale. <laughs> you know, I couldn't get through Which them. I actually thought about, wouldn't inhaling make you bigger? Doesn't make sense. Suck in. Oh, yeah. I guess I could see that. Yeah. Inhale to suck in, I guess. Yeah. Yeah, but by sucking in, you're adding air to your chest. and Yeah, but your stomach retracts. Yeah, but you don't need to inhale to do it, is what I'm saying. Yeah. In any event, we find out that Carl is there because he figured he'd, Mike's meeting would be ending and that, you know, maybe they can go out and do something tonight. Mike recommends that they go to TCBY. He's like, hell yeah, a couple of single guys on a Friday night. Let's get up in some yogurt. <laughs> <laughs> that sounds delightful. I had no idea what that was. It took me a while to remember TCBY. I had heard of TCBY, but I, I didn't know what it was off the top. Yeah, TCBY treats. Yeah. We've talked about this in the past, but this was right around that era where everybody was opening up frozen yogurt shops. Like this was 2010 was right around the height of all that. So <laughs> they all closed two years later. Yes. That, yeah. Yeah. But at that point in time, like frozen yogurt was the thing. And it's kind yep. of funny to think back that that was just like a moment in time. Like not that frozen yogurt doesn't exist, but like every town opened up a frozen yogurt place that had like the buffet style bar of all the things. So you'd get like your little thing of frozen yogurt and then you would just douse it with so much it's healthy. You it's healthy. <laughs> and then let me put some uh, Oreo and gummy bears. And yeah, it's 
marshmallow spread. It's like you make it as unhealthy as humanly possible after. But that was the thing for quite a while. It was. I remember that. I, I mean, think people just liked saying the word froyo. Yeah, that might have been part the of it as well. Froyo is also cursed. It, in this moment where they're in this in this area is when Molly walks up and talks to Mike for the first time. And she's telling him, you know, how much she enjoyed the share and how funny she thinks he is. As they begin to talk, Victoria walks back downstairs, tell her sister that she didn't know where the snack machine was, but she grabs some crackers from the church, which obviously were the, the body of Christ wafers. And then she asks Mike if he knows a good place to grab pizza or in like in the area. And he just like looks at her. He's like, what do you think? Which I thought was pretty good. I thought that was funny. Now, Carl introduces himself to Victoria and, and by doing so mentions, you know, Officer Carl McMillan, Chicago PD. And she's like, oh, you're a cop. I love cops. Cops are great. I'm not high. Uh, she was pretty funny here. I thought that was hysteric. Yeah, I thought she was really good in this scene. Yeah. We cut back to Molly, who's telling Mike that, you know, she's a fourth grade teacher and she'd love to have a police officer come and talk to the class. And Mike is not picking up on these signals at all and tells her, you know, how to get in touch with the police department. And like, luckily, Carl hears this and he's being a good friend and, and he runs up and gives Molly Mike's number and says, or you can just call him and he'll show up. Yeah. So props to him there, because like yeah. I said, you know, they, they rib on each other pretty tough, but they're they're legit friends. I know that was a good assist right there. Both times. He's like, Bro code. Uh, they they match it with like. He's a he he ribs him a lot too, but he's also like a great wingman. Like he hooks him yeah. up multiple times throughout this episode. Yeah. He's asking, like, oh, what are you looking for? Like a uh, general info, scared straight. And she's joking about scaring the kids. She's like, Oh, I'm kidding. Just, you know, be funny and charming like you were in the meeting. So again, she's making it so obvious that she yeah. likes him, but he's just, I don't know. Maybe he just doesn't get a lot of attention. So he's he's not used to We've all been there though. It's always easy to notice it from the outside. But when yeah, you're yeah, in correct. it, you always doubt it. So, you know, I get it. I was just gonna say that. The amount of hints I need from a girl that she's interested in me before I realize that she's interested in me and like how deep it has to get, it, it's it's criminal sometimes. But yeah, I guess I need you a just billboard. Your brain doesn't go that way. Yeah. But I think it's one way or the other, right? Because there's also guys who think that every girl wants them. And, Correct. Uh, and, you, and you go, what do you see here that you think that she likes you? Put it this way. By, I think that that's directly related to how you see yourself. Yeah. And I yeah. know that's not the, no one's falling in love with me first, first sight. You got to work at it. Got to chip yeah. at it. Yeah. People need to get to know my shitty personality. Good, I was like, I've like, never made a good first impression. <laughs> no, pretty much. <laughs> I know what, you know, not that I haven't made a good first impression, but like, you know what I mean? Like no one's like falling head over. Well, no, never mind. That's don't, hey, don't You need to have some more this. confidence, big guy. You handsome devil, you. Oh, thank you, Ferg. Yeah. With Joe not here, you're the only married man out of the. I was just going to say I'm married, area. but. So, yeah, but I get what you're saying, right? Like when I'm walking down a supermarket, I don't think like I'm the one that like the girl stops and like looks over and goes, oh my God. Well, you know what? I think, I feel like part of you has to be that guy. You know what I mean? Like you can't just be like oh, I'm nobody likes me you know what I mean you have to walk around with an air of some confidence and sometimes yeah. that's yeah, what people like to Ross <laughs> yeah I mean obviously you can't go extreme one way or the other yeah and to go back as the two are talking Victoria had chimed in and said has it been a long time since I've talked 
Uh, this got me too, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Her like playing like she's high, but she's trying to now cover it up because she knows she's around two cops. I thought I thought it was pretty good. And the two girls both take off, which leaves Carl and Mike available to, you know, get to talking. And he's kind of getting on him, like, what are you doing? Like, obviously this girl likes you, but he says like that he could have gotten her with a taffy apple. It's like being a little a little mean on he that says one. The- oh i didn't even pick that up yeah well he said that he said the pothead had jungle fever and you could have gotten the other one with a taffy apple i just thought it was funny that he calls her the pothead yeah yeah and mike's like oh i just don't want to come off as like desperate he's like but you are desperate he's like no i'm lonely and miserable there's a difference when he asked what the difference is like shut up you live with your grandma which i thought was a little like i thought going back to it was a bit much because it wasn't that funny of a joke to make that the callback but yeah there is a difference between desperation and being lonely you can be lonely and want to be with someone but not be at a point where you're willing to be with anybody which is um, a good lane to be if you're you know not that being lonely is good but it's good to acknowledge it and refrain from just being with anyone just to avoid it yeah i'll give you that yeah sometimes it's better to just acknowledge it and then wait yeah and know that it's okay so the next scene, we get like the exterior shot of the school, which I don't know if you guys noticed was the Walter Payton Elementary School, yeah, which mm-hmm. was terribly superimposed on it. It was so... It's a pilot. You know, sometimes you just got to let them go. Yeah, it was just like, I'm looking at it. I'm like, this just looks like like regular font, like no texture to it. It's just like on the wall, <laughs> like that they just, they just use like as a, like if you were like an editing I think thing. I literally could have done a better job. Right. Yeah. But like, you know, whatever. We cut to Mike who's looking at himself in the mirror in the school bathroom. And he's like, you know, I wish these uniforms were a little more flattering, you know, like blowsier. And it cuts to Carl who's like at the children's urinal, like squatted <laughs> down, like so low, which I fucking lost it. Me Caught too. me so off guard. I was dying laughing when this happened. I didn't um I didn't see it coming, so it did get me. It's like <laughs> And uh, he says, like, who are you trying to fool? You know, you met her in an OA meeting. And, you know, Mike tells Carl that he's thinking about asking Molly to go to the aquarium with him. Ooh. He's like, the aquarium? The first date? He's like, let me ask you something. Have you ever been on a second date? Time out right there. Time out right there. To all you cool cats and kittens out there, if you want to know the Gordo, the Gordo way to do, to butter up a girl. (laughs) aquarium you cannot go wrong if you have an aquarium that is a perfect first date who doesn't like seeing fish pretty fish in a tank (laughs) i'll say this i am an aquarium fan but our aquarium where we i hate our aquarium we have a terrible aquarium what are you talking about it's not bad they have flap flaps you can touch i was actually just there last uh is that what you call like flip-flops Stingrays, flap flaps, the majestic sea flap. Stop trying to make flap flaps happen. It already happened. <laughs> it already happened. That's like 2005. But no, New England Aquarium's about the size of a shoebox. That's why it's shitty. It was so big when we were little, and you go there as an adult, you're like, wow. But don't we have the biggest tank yeah. in an aquarium? Like- That's all it is. It's just the one tank. That's like, that's it. What, okay. Have- let me ask you this then. What's the difference between one large tank and multiple smaller ones? If you can get the same experience out of this. You don't. 
You don't get the same. What's the experience? difference? You're walking up and around the same tank. No, a bunch of small tanks have different creatures. You can't put yeah. some of those creatures in the same tank, or they'll eat each other. Yeah, correct. Yes, and our aquarium also has those small creatures in other tanks. Yes. No, they have like exhibits that tell you about those other small creatures. No, they're there. I was just there. It's it's not that bad. And they also have the seals outside. Like that's cool. The seals outside is pretty cool. A lot of vacations I go on, I I try to scope out and find an aquarium. Like it, I uh, in a lot of cities I visit, and or the New Orleans one that had slots in it for some reason. Uh, was that New Orleans or Dallas? Dallas, Dallas did. And uh, the one in Chicago, the one in Chicago is phenomenal. I'm telling you, Nick, when you as you travel, try to hit more aquariums. I I, I go to aquariums when I, I went to the one in Atlanta. The one in Atlanta is fucking amazing. Oh, I've heard, I've heard that was yeah. amazing. I spent three and a half hours in that aquarium alone. Like, I wasn't with people, like, hanging out. I saw a seal show. I saw a dolphin show. I hung out with penguins because there's a little tunnel that kids are supposed to crawl through, and you can stick your head up into this plastic dome <laughs> where all the aquariums are. And I was like, get the fuck out of the way, kids. I'm putting my head in this plastic dome. And I did, and it was super cool. <laughs> you just come up with a penguin ass. <laughs> you do. You had to, like, get on your knees and crawl through this tunnel. <laughs> And, and you couldn't stand up all the way because it's not made for some... I mean, I'm not even tall and <laughs> I couldn't stand up all the way. But uh, that aquarium is amazing. I want to check that out. Another... You know my favorite... One of my favorite theme parks is... SeaWorld. SeaWorld. Sea We're talking about fish and you asked theme park. What else could it have been? <laughs> it's true. <laughs> Bush Garden. But it, it could have been. <laughs> but they also have a Discovery Cove, which is like the place where you could swim with the dolphins and like they have like this coral reef. Really cool. Worth the money. Dolphins rape way too many humans for me to ever trust them. <laughs> Don't <laughs> think fact. that happens. That's a fact. Look this is up. two episodes in a row now. We have dolphin suicide and now dolphin rape. It's a fact. Look it up. I mean, I know that it's happened, but like also too. It only has to happen once to be too many times. <laughs> Anyways, um, as they're having this conversation about him asking her to the aquarium, that's when we see like this young student, like it's fourth grade. So I assume that he's one of the fourth graders. He walks out of like the stall and he just sees the two cops in the bathroom. And he's like, he's nervously trying to walk out. And as soon as he gets to the door, like they stop him. Like, you want to go to jail? No, sir. Get over there and wash your hands. And they both like point to the sink. And as a man who's like very into hand washing, I respect that. Yeah, I like that. Good use of good, good abuse of your, your badge right there. So uh, now we cut to the classroom and Molly's like unsuccessfully trying to get the class's attention while introducing Mike to all of them. And eventually she just kind of yells for them to all shut up. Tells the kids who he is and lets him take over. And he starts by telling them, like, there's a lot of misconceptions about being a police officer. One of the kids is like, my dad says you're all on the take. He's like, well, that's one of the misconceptions. And then as he's trying to explain himself, another kid chimes in and goes, my mom says you guys go only go after people of color. And he's like, whoa, well, geez, that's not true. She goes, are you calling my mom a liar? And I did, I did really like that. Uh, the, the kids are like getting on him pretty hard and Molly's trying to like save him. He's like, well, how about we just save the questions for the end? He's like, no, this is good. Like, you know, questions are 
or a good way to like stimulate the conversation. <laughs> then the first kid, I think it was the same kid who was like, how can you be a cop and be so fat? <laughs> He's like, uh, <laughs> maybe you <know> we should. <laughs> yeah. Let's just, let's save the questions. But Carl who is there is like, you know, I have a question. And I think Mike at first was like thinking it was going to go negatively, but he asked legit, like what made you want to become a police officer in the first place? Him helping him out again. Yes. Yeah. He is. He is a, a, he's a good dude. Exactly. He starts to tell a story about how his father was a police officer and that he worked the same beat for 30 years. And he said that it was um like an area like that because his last name was Biggs, his dad would refer to his Biggs Mile. But as a kid, he always thought he was saying Big Smile. So whenever he left, you know, he said he was going to, you know, work Big Smile, but he thought he was telling him to smile and then, you know, they'd hug. And, um, you know, I'm obviously paraphrasing quite a bit, but like when he's telling the whole story, it's very endearing and how. How heartwarming. It was because he was just, he was so inspired by his father to, you know, step up and do the same thing and how his dad always took such pride in how his uniform looked and all that. And that's what made him want to be a police officer. He says, you know, he made it look like a noble profession right up until the very end. And then when, when he was asked what happened, did he die? He was like, no, he fell in love with a prostitute, divorced my mom and moved to Tampa, <laughs> tore the whole family apart. <laughs> Yeah, another curveball I wasn't expecting. Because he has such this, like, charming ability to storytell, where, like, when he when he's talking about, like, Big Smile and how he heard it wrong as a kid, when he's telling that story, like, you believe him. He, he's doing a, like, he's, a, yeah. you know, doing a really good job. And uh, so to turn it with that joke when you weren't expecting it, sometimes, like, those jokes I'm, like, I'm a little iffy on, but there it really caught you off guard in, like, a fun way where I didn't see it coming. So um, I, I, I like that a, a good amount. Yeah, no, that worked for me. It's like I said, and it's also who plays Mike. I I know you said it at the beginning, but I I don't know his name. Ah, uh, Bob. Bob plays Mike. Bob plays Mike. But either way, this actor, the way he is able to like transition and do that, like snap, like snap out of like the storytelling, is like very talented. Yeah, uh, Bill, Billy Gardell, by the way, is his name. Billy Gardell. Okay, it's not Bobby Gardell. No. So, so after all that speech is when Mike and Molly are outside of the classroom now, and they're kind of having like a little sidebar in the hallway. And he starts by saying, you know, I probably should have stopped at noble profession. And, um, she thanks him for doing this and says, you know, the kids probably got a lot out of it. He's like, yeah, they seem like a good group, except like that one with the mouth. He's on a hellbound trail. I think she said she caught him sniffing dry erase markers earlier. Yeah. And you know, it, it's, um, it's that like, she's trying to flirt with him again situation. And she's like, you know, thank you for coming. And she's, he asks her what made her want to become a teacher. And she, and you hear the kids going crazy. And she's like, you know, I don't really remember this kind of like awkward moments between the two where they're looking at each other and you think he's going to ask her out. And he just said, he can't get the words out. And like, as soon as the door shuts, he's like, would you like to go to the aquarium with me? You know, you know, missed opportunity there. Smooth. Yeah. Again, relatable. We've all been there. Yeah. Yeah. It happens. It's not it's not always easy to just ask someone out. Rejection's tough. It's it like is. asking someone out in theory is not hard. It's dealing with rejection after. And people to avoid it don't put themselves in a situation where it can be rejected. That's true. You get that rejection and then things are just awkward with you and that person for the rest of your life. Yeah. <laughs> so if things are yeah. like at least nice before then, it's like yeah. you even bother to risk it. Mm -hmm. So like because of that, I think he's a little down on himself. So that next scene you see him in the the diner 
and he has like he got two meatball subs uh, order curly fries and a chocolate malt which like that sounds like it would be a challenge like if you go to a restaurant where they hang your picture up but you see all the food and the samuel the waiter's like welcome back <laughs> you also get the sense that these two are close as well well they're regulars and i i looked it up too out of curiosity which was um samuel like a mainstay character and he's in most episodes so he's yeah. he's like a he's in every episode type of guy he's gunther yeah walter <laughs> no not walter oh i get what you're saying wrestling <laughs> wrestling there's our wrestling reference but wh what gunther were you talking about from friends. friends yeah the guy who works at the coffee shop and friends r.i.p Oh. Oh, yeah. I forgot he died. Yeah. Oh, I, I literally only saw the pilot. <laughs> That's true. Way back when. When our first episode, yeah. So if you haven't listened, it's, I don't even know if the first episodes that we did were worth telling people to go back and listen to, but Friends was our very first episode. It was our I think Friends was decent. Yeah, I think it was, for, for what we were at the time, I think pretty good. And the episode's much, much shorter. So if you're looking for some snackable content, go, go and listen to that one. Yeah, we see all that food in front of him, and Carl walks up, and he's like, you know, kind of like, hey, what are you doing? Like, you just lost, like, three pounds. He tells him, uh, he calls his meal suicide with meatball bullets. <laughs> so that was pretty funny. <laughs> Again, yeah. this dude saving his bro, being a bro. This is the most I really thought he was like. He knows how much the diet means to him, and he stops him from doing that. That's the most like best friend move I've like yeah. he does. Because you need you need that sometimes. Yeah. Because it's one of those things where people don't people don't always speak up enough, and sometimes it's like it's a good thing. You know, like I said, like I've listen, I've cheated on a million diets. This is the reason why I've been on a million diets. And you know, when you slip and you go out and you order bad food, when your friends already know you're trying to diet, like it's a weird thing to say to someone like. Hey, Jay, why did you order that? Aren't you trying to lose weight? It's like, it's tough to like speak up sometimes. So the fact that Carl's not afraid to like, you know, keep his friend in places, it's a good move. Yeah. When he was like, hey, you just lost three and a half pounds. Mike's like, and Gordo, I'm sure you were tickled by this. <laughs> yes, you I was. It. It's like, oh, big deal. My farts weigh three and a half pounds. I giggled. He's like, you don't have to tell me. I ride in cars with you every day. <laughs> Can you imagine what those farts smell like if he's eating all that? Well, if you're eating two meatball subs with a giant milkshake, that's going to be a little rough. Yeah, that, that doesn't seem like that's going to be good on your stomach. Even in like the best of circumstances. We've talked about things like this before. I can't like foods like that. I can't just sit there and drink like a giant milkshake while I'm eating that kind of food. No, that's an after meal yeah. thing. No, you don't do you don't milk with Italian food. But even like the old classic, like when you think back to like the 1950s, like hamburger place, and I'm gonna get a burger, fries, and a and a milkshake. Like that was never. That's not a combo for me. I don't want to drink a milkshake with that kind of. Food. I know. I, I think we've talked about it before. I can't think of it. Seinfeld is when we. Nope, we haven't done Seinfeld. We haven't done. We have Seinfeld. not done Seinfeld. I no. thought about it watching Seinfeld recently. Then because Kramer got like a burger and a shake. And I'm like, I would throw up on the table. I actually, yeah. I actually did that last week at Shake Shack. I was going to say, it's a known combo. It's like a popular thing at burger places. Yeah, I mean, maybe I'm missing out. You are missing out. It was maybe delicious. I should just try it. But I feel like it's a day ruiner. Like, if I crush a fucking whole burger, fries, and a milkshake, like, I'm not doing anything after that. It's not refreshing. If I eat a burger and I need a sip of a drink, I can't drink a thick milkshake. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I'm not opposed to eating both in the same meal. I would, like, I could see myself getting a burger, and then after the burger, going back up and getting a milkshake, maybe? That's what like, I do. Everything you could dip the fries in the milkshake. It's delicious. Oh. That's a huge thing. Like, especially, I actually just tried the French fries and the Frosty recently. It's the same thing. 
And it is, I mean, it's not like mind-blowing or anything, but it is better than I thought it was going to be. Chocolate or vanilla? This one was chocolate. Chocolate. Yeah. It just doesn't sound good to my stomach. I know it doesn't sound good. Like, and it, yeah, no, no, there's no, nothing you could do to make it sound good, but just try it. I will. Potatoes are pretty diverse, man. They can, they taste good with anything. Well, let's have a meetup. We'll do it. We'll see who's the first one to release death farts in the car. Tell me how that goes. It'll have to be in <laughs> April because I'm on keto till April. Again, Carl helping him out. Uh, tell Samuel to throw out the food. And he's like, can you bring him some chicken breast uh, on white toast or wheat toast? Rather, I'm sorry. And he's like, throw it away. I don't think so. I will airdrop this to my village. I, th- I was kind of like, okay, we get it. You know? Yeah. And that's what I said earlier. It's one of those, we know you're foreign. We can hear you. Every time you talk, you don't have to just bring up the fact that you're foreign, but whatever. I feel like sitcoms do that a lot now. Well, it's a pilot too. Well, I think it's one of those, I think a lot of sitcoms now try to inject, like, just to diversify the cast, put some sort of a foreign character, whether it's... But that's fine. You need the Fez character. Yeah, they always do that. It's not, like, keen to any one area. It's all over, but it's, like, it's always someone who's, like, you know, non-American, but... They, it always has to be like their main thing about the character happens to be that they're foreign. And like, it doesn't need to be that. You can have a foreign character and not they're just foreign and sassy. Yeah. 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 You can not beat people over the head. But uh, yeah, at that point, Carl tells him, here you go. Like, uh, you may never have sex without paying for it, but at least you're still on your diet. <laughs> Again, made me laugh. And they give each other a hug. And he's like, Jesus, it's like hugging a futon. Again, there's so many small digs in here that like, well, you could say small bigs in here, but you know, it, I, I, I giggled at that. From there, we get to another OA meeting. This is when we see Molly sharing. She's kind of recounting her story and says, you know, she's just always had food issues, like as long as she remembers and brings up a story where one time her dad had to write a check for $280 to the Girl Scouts for unaccounted for cookies. And she says, God bless him. He, he never said a word and uh, never made her feel bad about it. And said, of course, he weighed about a thousand pounds himself. He says, you know, I know I'm never going to be a size two and that's fine because I do like who I am, but, and there's nothing wrong with who I am as a person. She says, I'm, I'm smart. I'm funny. I recycle, but she just wants to be able to control her eating and not keel over in a white castle drive through like her dad and adds the little comedy. And that was his third lap. Again, relatable, relatable and funny. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, on Melissa McCarthy too, right, right now, since we have her in, in the shot here, but like she's the breakout star in this sitcom. Well, yeah. Come to find out. You would think it would be. Uh, Eilish. But, yeah. Baldwin. Whatever Mike is, whoever Mike is, yeah. Bob, you would think it would be him with the way that this is set up, but it, it was actually Melissa McCarthy. Well, he went on to be in Bob Hart Abishola, which obviously. Which is legendary. He wins. But, but well, yeah, her career really took off. She Because she ventured off and did a lot of movies. Well, her career took off after Bridesmaids. That's what put her on the map to people. Yeah. It wasn't this. Yeah, that movie was such a huge success. And she wasn't even like a, she was a big role in it, but she wasn't like the starring role. But yeah, I think that movie took off so much that it really helped her. And yeah, I don't know, Mike, I don't think he's been in a lot of films that I can think of. I, I can't really remember him being in anything. I, I don't know him from anything, yeah. Bob Hart Abishola is literally the only yeah. thing that I know. I've never seen a picture of Bob Hart Abishola. I have really? no <laughs> fucking clue what... You guys have talked about it a thousand <laughs> times. I've never been curious enough to look it up either. I have no clue what Bob Hart Abishola is. Bob Hart Abishola, which we're definitely going You're to do. You're missing out, buddy. Possibly, possibly sooner than later. It might be our two-year anniversary show. It's one of those shows where it's, again, it's a... 
blank and blank type, you know, we have Mike and Molly, and even though it's Hart instead, but they get to meet each other and they become a couple. And the thing about Abishola is, you know, I don't know what country she's from, but yeah, she's an immigrant. Yeah, like I don't know if she's like Nigerian or what it is. It might be, but that's the that's the shtick of the thing, right? Is that her whole family is from there and the cultural differences. Save it for when we go over it. That's the crux of the whole show. I so much so that when you guys were first started bringing it up all the time, I thought the name of the show was Bob Hart Abishola. Like it was just the like <laughs> Bob Hart Abishola. I'm like, what? This is the worst name ever. And then I figured out what it actually was and i was like oh this is still the worst name ever for yeah, a it's show like, it's like i heart ny they yeah. use heart that way when they actually use a heart in the logo but you have to say the word yeah like i don't yeah i mean do you use love or the heart but like i know we've been like memeing it to be bob heart abishola but i don't know if it's supposed to be bob love abishola we could go over that at our two-year anniversary well probably. we'll go over it. i don't know if it, it it might be our two-year we haven't decided officially we'll talk about it but um but in any event the the only other thing is the one other thing I didn't touch on from her speech is she also mentioned that she wants to be able to walk into a nightclub without having every queen in the room leaping on her like a gay pride float. <laughs> well, okay, so this that was this weird. was a this was no no this was a callback to the first time we meet her with her mother and the sister. Because her mother yeah. says, why don't you take her to one of those gay ah, clubs? okay, yeah. Because oh. they like beefy women. Oh, that's true. I didn't, and I don't think I brought up that line earlier, but no, you call. didn't. I didn't even, I didn't pick up on that. I forgot, but this is the callback to that. Okay. Well, poor execution. I guess, well, we didn't pick up on it. He did. So, I mean, it wasn't too poor, but yeah, it was, uh, I think maybe it was word choice because they didn't like word it close enough for you to like mentally like trigger it, but. The line at least makes more sense, right? I didn't know what why she said it in go to clarified, so I'm, I'm okay with that. So yeah, so now um the two are starting to Mike and Molly go to talking in, in that outside area that we talked about before, that little folding area with the veggie tray. They're talking, and he he tells her that you know I wanted to tell you that um I like fish, and she's like okay, and by that he means he's a what is it in ec ec ecologist. How do you say the yeah? I don't. I didn't even want to butcher the word. I don't know if you guys got it. Ichi, ichi. It's ichthyology. Ichthyology. Yeah, I C H T H Y. Ichthyology. And it was like, oh, um, all types of fish. <laughs> and he's like, and he's like, oh, you know the words? Like, yeah, I'm a teacher. You'd be surprised at the words I know. But yeah, he explains. You know, I like to go to the aquarium on my days off because there's you know something soothing about watching those giant creatures float around each other, all graceful and weightless. And she says it sounds like her uh, water aerobics class. He finally goes to ask her, you know, I was wondering if, if you weren't doing anything, if, and that's when he falls through the table that he was leaning on, which I, so here's the thing. So the fall the, didn't get me. The physical comedy is like, whatever, the fat guy going through the table, I guess you kind of, you see it coming. I know this was funny, but it was a little too much for me. He comes up and his finger is completely snapped <laughs> sideways. <laughs> and fucking killed me. She goes, is your finger supposed to be like that? He goes, no, it's not. And it's at a 90 degree angle, his yeah. pinky finger. And it was a good prosthetic too. Like it, it I was going to say, real. that was a yeah. well-made prop. It was well yeah. done, yeah. 
I got a really good belly laugh when he pulled his hand up. It, it was funny. I just thought it didn't fit the tone of the show to go at that extreme of a break. Like well, here's that. here's why it's good because a poor version, a poorer version of this show just has him fall through the table. They put the yeah. extra on it that made it unique, and he comes up with a very badly broken finger, which <laughs> I did not see coming at all. And I got like, it was the biggest laugh I got out of this show because again, unexpected, but it was different too, because I feel like the Netflix version of this show just has him fall through the table, maybe get up with some fucking salad dressing on his shirt. And that's that. But instead he's got a very badly broken hand and, uh, I don't know. I just really liked it. Yeah. Um, (laughs) I mean, it was, it was a lot. I definitely didn't, I didn't see it coming. Like I said, and, uh, well, he says he needs to go to the emergency room, and I think she gives him, uh, she offers to drive him. He's like, oh, no. He's like, life of a police officer. Duck and roll, duck and cover. He's just worried about uh, vomiting at this point. <laughs> don't vomit, don't vomit. <laughs> yeah, and he, and he runs off. <laughs> we cut to, like, you know, down the road. It's a different day, and you see him in the squad car with uh, Carl. He's asking, like, oh, you ever going to call that OA girl back? And he's like, no, that ship sailed, and... I don't know if that was enough to never talk to her again, but I mean, it's at least a conversation starter. Yeah, yeah true. And his, his confidence is shattered at this point. That's all. Yeah. I guess he tried putting himself out there and it went so terribly wrong that he was embarrassed. He doesn't want to have to face her again. Carl thinks it's the fact that he invited her to the aquarium. So right. He's like, Cause he was talking about the, was it <laughs> ichthyology? He's like the, the words get ick built right into it. That made me laugh. That made me laugh. And I like I like um, his suggestions for him, too. I like how Carl can't get over the aquarium thing. Yeah. He's like, this is such a dumb idea. He says, uh, no lady in the world is going to whip her undies off hearing that kind of jibber-jabber. I didn't, I didn't expect your jibber-jabber used. No, no, I didn't either. Unless you're Mr. T. Don't use the word jibber-jabber. Yeah, that's a Mr. T exclusive. And uh, they get, um, while they're in the car, you get a, like the call over the radio, the squad car, that they have to go report somewhere. So yeah, and then as you say, like Carl had some ideas of his own. It was basically just like, you know, why don't you get um some mail order brides? And he's talking about how they've come a long way over the years. And then it, it flashes forward. He's giving them these uh, different suggestions, which cuts into them walking to the house where they got the call. And while they're walking up to the doorstep, he's still telling them like, or you can move to Japan. A big man's like a god over there. <laughs> <laughs> Does he suggest getting sumo groupies? Yeah. Yeah, he tells him to pull his underwear up his butt. And <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Take a sumo poopy. <laughs> said sumo groupie, not sumo poopy. I thought he said sumo poopy. <laughs> he said sumo poopy. Oh, God. Wait, he didn't say sumo poopy? No, he, he said, said sumo, sumo groupie. Uh, okay. <laughs> I was like, well, how would you take a sumo poopy with underwear on? <laughs> Just cut it. Joe, 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 why would you leave me with just these three? I can't. Jay, are you, okay, you made an icky dicky joke last week, and you're trying to talk about, like, you're a, somehow above a sumo poopy. We've we've gone over this, right? I think that we think I think our group I, I think our group is we're in, we're in two different teams, right? I you guys think like poo poo and fart humor is funny. I'm more front end stuff, so you know, come jokes hilarious to me. But yeah, so um, again, he did not say sumo poopies. Uh, I wish he did though, because that's. Really, what I thought he said, but uh, <laughs> 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 oh god, 
Can we hold on? Time out. New t-shirt idea. I'm not Come making Mike. a t-shirt. <laughs> yeah, let's make the sumo poopy t-shirt. Come on. Now, is a sumo poopy a sumo made out of poopy or a sumo's poopy? No, he's just pooping. It's a sumo's poopy. It comes out split because it has to go through the, uh. the, the thong. <laughs> like one of those Play-Doh cutters. I quit. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Anyways, yeah, go. So, well, Gordon's going to need about 40 minutes to catch himself again. <laughs> As they go to open the door, we find out that the house that got the call was Molly's house. So, Mike and Molly find each other by chance now. She's like, what are you doing here? It's like, uh, well, someone called the cops and we're the cops. And the mother's like, yeah, we called like a half hour ago. Did you guys get lost or stop to make out under a bridge somewhere? <laughs> she says, and Molly says, calm down, mom. But then she looks and was like, seriously, though, like, did you guys get pizza or something? Like, <laughs> like, so then Carl, you know, was talking to Mike as before they walk in. It's like, what are the odds? Like, my sweet mocha ass, like, this is a miracle of biblical proportions. He's like, how do you figure? God couldn't bring Molly to the mountain, so he brought the mountain to Molly. And he's like, I'm the mountain, right? You're the Himalayas. Yeah, you're the Himalayas. <laughs> they get in the house, and it looks like there was a robbery. Well, I'll say this. It appears in TV style that it was a robbery, but visually it looked like someone just opened a couple drawers and put a couple things on their set. Like, it didn't look like they were really robbed. Yeah, it wasn't very dramatic. No. It looked, it looked like someone just made a mess. Okay, there was an earthquake. Molly's trying to tell her mom, you know, it's just stuff. She's like, stuff, is that what you call the diamond necklace your father gave me? And, you know, did you know he had to take a second job to afford that? And I had to give him a third job to get it. It <laughs> was a bit racy. Yeah. Yeah. I love, I like that line. That dirty old lady. Also, side note, uh, I meant to mention this earlier in the episode, but, oh crap, what's the mom's real name? It's a silly name. Starts with an S. Swoozy Kurtz. Swoozy, there is no swoozy. way Joe doesn't love her, by the way. It's probably something weird she's in. Oh, yeah, yeah for sure. Joe's definitely got a crush on I'm Swoozy. just going to say I wouldn't say no. <laughs> yeah, she's not a bad looking girl. You're a good looking old lady. Yeah, they start talking and it's, do you think you'll find all our things? And he's like, I doubt it. We barely found your house. <laughs> but he says, you know, we're, we're going to do the best to recover your property. And then Victoria runs down and they're like, they stole my water pipe. The one of the best lines from her right there is she's like, but thank God I was a, a Girl, Scout Girl Scout or something, yeah. and she's smoking an apple, smoking yeah. pot out of an apple. <laughs> uh, when she offers uh, apple, it's like, oh no, thanks. They test our urine for fruit. <laughs> That's good writing. That is. They're going over some of the stuff, and it's just kind of all the procedure stuff, and and as he's doing, like, he's asking all these questions and he's like, oh, can you give me like a list of all the items that are missing? Do you have any serial numbers, any photographs? Uh, and would you like to go out with me sometime? Like what? And she's like, are you asking me out? Like, that is correct, ma'am. It's almost like he needed, um, he needed to be doing the police work to like not focus on what she's doing. Yeah. It, like, it's like what gave him the confidence. Yeah. He never broke from being an officer. While, if that makes sense, I don't know how to describe it properly, but he stays, like, in that mode. Yeah. Yeah. Being an officer brought him to her, so he's believing in that science who continues being an officer to ask her out. Right, right. Yeah. And, well, she's like, you had every chance to ask me out, and you now choose to in the middle of a crime scene? And he's like, you know, again, Strave is like, I realize it's not the most opportune moment, but I'm quite smitten by you. And I'd hate for this moment to pass without telling you that you're a remarkable woman with uh, interesting qualities I find both attractive and appealing, ma'am. You know, it, it works out, so... You could tell she's smitten, too. 
She, yeah, I mean, from the first time she met him, you know what I mean? She was very, like, smitten by him. She says that, you know, you know that was pretty cute. And he's like, well, is it a yes or a no? And she says, is it going to go in the report? And he's like, well, it depends on how you answer. And she says, you know, I would love to go out with you. And he's like, then yes, I'm writing it down. So when she said, I would love to go out with you, I did, like, the girliest giggle again. <laughs> Like, yeah. <laughs> and I, I was alone, embarrassed for myself because I was so, it brought me so much happiness. It, it buttons with like Carl, who's like, she better be good to him. <laughs> like, everyone looks over. <laughs> what do you want? I'm a sensitive I guy. I fucking love Carl, man. Yeah. He makes this show. He's great. Yeah. There were a couple of points early on where I felt like he's trying too hard to be cool at points. And like, but ultimately, like, he's, he's like a, he's a great, he's a great dude. He's a good bro. And uh, yeah, that's, that was the conclusion of the episode. It was pretty simple in nature when you go over this episode, like kind of front to back, like the story's pretty simple, you know, like they meet, a couple little things happen, um, but uh, and, and we didn't talk about some of the stuff like sets and things like that. Multiple locations. We got the diner. We got her house. We got squad car. We got classroom. We got the church. Yeah. Church downstairs. We never see where he lives yet. Interestingly enough. I never thought about that, actually. Yeah, good point. But it's probably no point in it. You know what I mean? It's just a yeah. small, dark apartment, you know? Overall, like, pretty meat and potato. Like, but I think the it was one of those things where the acting really drove it in. I think the writing's pretty decent, but the they well cast good actors. I don't have a lot of, like, great tidbits about the show. But yeah, I mean, I mean there's not really a lot else you could say about the show. Uh, you know, I was looking up some information about episodes specifically. There's nothing, like, huge there. It's mentioned that this is the only time you ever see Molly exercising. I guess was, I guess she gave up on that. Once she found love, she gave up on the diet. Is that what they're saying? It's common. Yeah. Yeah, you do get comfortable. Katie Mixon, who plays Victoria, grew up in Chicago, but has like a noticeable Southern accent, which is weird. I was going to bring that up. When we when we were talking about them being like, you can tell that their sisters are going, yeah, but why does she have an accent and she doesn't? Like, I don't know. But it's weird because she's the show takes place in Chicago. And she grew up in Chicago in real life, but her accent sounds Southern. I think that that kind of plays, though, into her stoner, like, personality. What? How do you sound when you're stoned? What accent do you develop? Kind of like, you know, but just the, maybe not, (laughs) I didn't notice the, the, I don't know how you talk. The what? (laughs) The the twang. He's saying he didn't notice the Southern twang. Yeah, the Southern twang I didn't notice. I speak Gordo. Yeah, thank you, Ferg. I'm glad that we have a tran- a Gordo translator here. But she also, though, her pacing is very Southern and kind of laid back, but it plays to being a stoner. Like, you could be like, hey, y'all, you know, y'all just, you know, chill out doing that. But no, but it's not that kind of Southern. It's like a Southern debutante that she talks like. Uh, I guess her, her father was from... Uh, Louisiana, so I guess she has a lot of ties to Louisiana. Maybe like so. inherently, like it's down there, like it caught a little bit. Just I guess he was a big LSU football star. Oh, but yeah, I would say we, we just about covered it all at this point. So really, not much else to say. So we can get right into the green light or cancel now. To remind everyone, we're only a four man today, so there is a potential for a tie. If that is to happen, Joe would be the deciding vote, and you would find out about that again by following us on Instagram at s1e1pod, and there'll be a graphic later in the week so uh whether or not there's a tie follow us on instagram it's not that fucking hard everybody we talk about it all the time so if you listen to us every week and we brought it up at the beginning of the episode and i'm bringing it up again now go on instagram go on twitter 
hit follow. If you have them, we put out content. Uh, we put out videos all the time. But yeah, let's move along. Guys, Greenlighter cancel. Ferg, I'm going to start with you. All right, so I just want to start off the bat by saying I am no Melissa McCarthy fan. I always thought she was like a one-trick pony with the slapstick stuff. She kind of just fell into that and only does the, that role. She doesn't do that in this, and I found her to be a really good actress. And it was, like, refreshing. I went to the show, like, ready to, like, hate it. And I'm not, like, other than Bob Hart Abishola, I don't know much other stuff about him for his acting. And he really, like, his struggle really touched me. <laughs> yeah. They both just acted so well, and his relationship with his partner and stuff, it was just, everything was so heartwarming. So, it's a big surprise to me, but I am greenlighting this show. So, yeah. Boom. Nick. Yeah, I, I wouldn't say I was surprised, because like I said, I have seen episodes of this show in passing, and I, I did think that they were amusing. I wasn't sure how the pilot was going to go, though, because, you know, I mean, it's kind of the point of our show. The pilot can go south sometimes, and especially with... You know, lesser known people who, or at least they were at the time, I wasn't sure how this was going to be. I didn't know if they were going to lean too much into the fat and stuff like that. But I was surprised because it, it was just like a really sweet and funny show. It, it's a really feel-good show. I think that they were creative enough with the jokes that, you know, it's, it's a lot of simple material in a sense that it's like, it's fat jokes, it's, you know, cop jokes. And, and you could get away with being cheap and easy on them. And I feel like they did put in the work as far as the writing went. I was left really wanting to watch the next episode of this. Like, uh, I forget who said it. I think Ferg said it. It was really well acted. The cast was fantastic. And I am going to greenlight. Yeah, I had a really good time watching it. Gordo. Yeah, no no surprise here. Uh, this is a Gordo pick. And again, the only t only sitcom I've I can say with certainty that I've actually seen the pilot episode. And I don't know what else I can add to it. It was written well acted well it was funny it was innocent it was charming it tugged at my heartstrings and it gave me a laugh green light from gordo jay yeah i'm i'm not gonna argue with you guys there i'm, I'm giving it the green light as well and i think like ferg i kind of went in with a negative attitude towards the show not that like i decided i didn't like it or hated it but for whatever reason i just assumed it was a show that i wouldn't like for whatever reason i i just it, i never watched it I, I never really saw any of it so I guess I didn't know what to expect. And I don't know, something about it being their origin story, which really caught me off guard for some reason. I just thought it was, we were going to come in and they were already an established couple. So like getting to know the characters and how they met works here because we, we talk about it in some shows where I don't want the origin story here. I really liked that it was, I guess, I don't know if it's, you know, I think part of it is, is a, is a guy who, you know, struggles with weight myself and seeing that being a presented well in a sitcom that wasn't all about just, you know, goofy fat and kind of explaining it in a, in a serious way, but still using comedy was done really well. And both actors in not just the, the two main, but like the whole cast, you know, like well acted, well written, you know, everything you guys had said. So yeah, no real big complaints. And I really, I didn't expect to like it. I, I thought this was going to be a, a big cancel for me, but it's not. So, um, you know, regardless of Joe's vote, this is going to be um, a green light from us. So Gordo, Gordo's return gets a, yeah. gets a green light if we're yeah. playing by Ferg rules. Yeah. Uh, it, by this fictitious version of the game you guys play where green lights and cancels dictate. Um, Gordo just acknowledges that it makes it a thing. It's not a thing. It's not a thing at all. <laughs> In any event, guys, congratulations to Mike and Molly. You live on a C episode two with us. Again, uh, another reminder, go to s one pod.com. 
follow us everywhere subscribe rate review all that stuff um we bring it up every single week so start doing it <laughs> thanks guys keep listening every week for a new episode we'll catch you again next week thank you goodbye i think we got the best sumo poopy <laughs> <laughs> yeah <laughs> <laughs>